All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to do a quick little segment on the Montez Sweat trade. Uh, we record this podcast as a post game podcast for the Chargers game, um, and then we decided to wait to upload it in case anything happened on trade deadline, which, funny for us, it did. Uh, Ryan Poles really making it known to the NFL that he is always open for deals, especially at the trade deadline. Uh, the young GM has his, what, fourth trade now? Fifth trade? Something like that, um, of his young career with the Chicago Bears. Uh, and it wasn't the trade many expected. You know, we woke up yesterday morning hearing Jalen Johnson uh, requested a trade from the team. And a lot of Bears fans were upset, me included. I still didn't think that it was likely just because I think the Bears want to keep Jalen Johnson. Cornerback uh, in the modern day NFL is viewed as a premier position, um, contrary to how it kind of used to be viewed. Uh, same with the growth of really dominant wide receivers, the cornerback market has really exploded as well. Uh, but Montez Sweat, Bears end up trading a second round pick to the commanders for him. I really love this move. Uh, I know that this was kind of a mixed reactions, but Montez Sweat for me was someone that I had my eyes on uh, come free agency this year. Uh, but I realistically thought that he wouldn't be available. Uh, the Bears obviously get in early here. Don't wait till the end of the season and trade for uh, the young pass rusher. I was a little bit surprised to be completely honest that there was any sort of negative reactions to this. And it seemed mostly to be you know, from opposing teams within the Bears division. So uh, put the stock into that, that you will. It seems like most people in the national media were pretty level-headed with it. But I think most of the negative reactions come from people that think the Bears aren't going to re-sign him, which has to be one of the most hilarious takes that I've seen in quite a while. Uh, the Bears are obviously going to sign re-sign Montez Sweat. You don't go out and trade a second-round pick for the pass rusher uh, unless you know that you're going to re-sign him. Uh, especially in a team that's at this point right now. Um, and I understand, you know, people that view him as the short, as a short term solution, probably to the end of the season. Yeah. That wouldn't make much sense because he doesn't really change much about this season. Um, obviously he will give the bears a more formidable defensive line. Still not a great defensive line, but you know, something that's a little bit better. It's going to allow uh, a little less pressure on Yannick Ngakwe, and him and Sweat together, you know, those are two starting edge rushers in the NFL, in my opinion. And I think that that's going to help elevate this defensive line. But realistically, with this coaching staff, does it actually, you know, amount to anything in the win column more than it would have without him? Probably not, or probably not a whole lot. The other interesting thing about adding Montez Sweat uh, that some Bears fans pointed out on Twitter was the potential to move Demarcus Walker into the three technique position, which uh, was actually where he was most productive when he was with the Tennessee Titans. Um, I actually think that we will see at least more snaps from Demarcus Walker at that position. Um, but yeah, Montez Sweat brought, being brought in definitely does open you up to a lot of different combinations on this line, which, you know, us Bears fans can get excited for this season. But really this trade where I think it'll pay off in the long term is when he is re-signed. Uh, that's what really makes it worthwhile. And I, I will even come out and say, if you don't re-sign him, this was an idiotic move. But that's not going to happen. That's not reality. Uh, in the NFL, especially on the defensive line, you need veterans to take some pressure off your rookie pass rushers. We've talked about this all season long with Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, guys like that. 
they really have nobody helping them uh, get get more one on ones, not get double teamed, uh, sliding pressure to sliding protection, excuse me, to a specific direction and it's causing them to struggle a little bit more than they probably need to uh you pair a guy like Javon Dexter with a really good uh defensive lineman three technique next to him I think you get a little bit of a different uh reaction to his initial start to his rookie career not that it's been bad but I think you would see more high points and really realistically when you look at the Bears this offseason edge rusher was a top priority and it would not surprise me in the slightest and I actually would view it as being likely if we end up drafting one in the first round. So that's really where Montez Sweat's value will come into play. Being able to bring him in with a rookie pass rusher that you think has a high ceiling and that's really where this defensive line goes from, you know, being horrible or this edge position specifically to having a lot of upside there. This player could be someone like a. Uh, this player could be someone like Jared Verse, uh, depending on where the Bears' picks actually fall into. Obviously, there are some players ranked more highly than him uh, on my big board. But if you you know start to get past the top five picks with one of our picks, then yeah, Jared Verse is absolutely in play there, and that would really change this off defensive line. Uh, you know, there's other guys like Dallas Turner, uh, Chop Robinson. I think that would be less likely. They would probably have to fall into the second round and the bears would probably have to acquire a second round pick. Um, yeah, those, those seem less likely. So to me, this also signifies that there's a pretty high chance. I view the bears drafting an ad rusher in the top round of this draft. And realistically, when you're looking at the upcoming free agency class, there's really not a player that you can mark. That's as good as Montez sweat. And that's including chase young. I want to kind of get into that right now. I know that there's some, you know, radical bears fans that are upset that chase young went for a third round pick. We traded a second round pick for Montez sweat. Let me make this abundantly clear. And it's not just going to be me. That's telling you this look at anyone that's been involved in the league, any sort of way Montez sweat is the better player out of the two of them. Chase Young is a very good player. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's all projection for him. He's been injured almost every every season. He's at, he's missed at least some games. I think he's averaged about 11 games throughout his career, has barely played in the past two seasons, uh, has been less productive than Montez Sweat this year, but obviously the physical upside is there. Uh, where really it tails off for me, where I, I don't view Chase Young as the same player as Montez Sweat, has been consistency, injuries, and then also rumors coming out pretty frequently that he's clashed with the coaching staff, um, that he's, you know, people in the locker room weren't happy with him, things like that. That's where it becomes a bigger concern. So, yes, I'm absolutely, even if this was just free agency, I would absolutely rather take Montez Sweat over Chase Young. You also, to me, can't can't give Chase Young a long-term deal. And I think that also is derived into the value that the 49ers got for Chase Young, got in obtaining Chase Young. Sure, a third-round pick on the surface for the talent that Chase Young is sounds, you know, a bit light, but realistically, the 49ers aren't going to re-sign him. And it doesn't seem like many teams that were interested in re-signing him to a long deal were even in the discussion. So really that third round pick is for about half a season of Chase Young before he hits free agency. And I, even if the Bears traded for Chase Young, would be very concerned with extending any sort of long-term offer to a guy that's barely been healthy. And, you know, even in stretches when he hasn't been, when he's coming back from injury, has not been the most productive player. So realistically, now let's get into for a moment who Montez Sweat is. Montez Sweat, you know, former late first round pick, 
really productive player, always around that eight sack range uh, up until this point, uh, but really never played, obviously played on a team that had a good defensive line, but many commanders fans argued that that defensive line was way too conservative and did not try to bring pressure enough in any other creative ways, which could have potentially limited his production. Montez Sweat is on pace for his best season yet, already having six and a half sacks, which currently projects out to be about 13 sack season. Uh, when he comes to the Bears, you know, realistically, what do we need from him for him to be worth the second round pick? And it's pretty simple. One, he needs to re-sign with the team. Two, he needs to get us in that eight to 10 sack range every single year. If he's going beyond 10 sacks, then then that's that's perfect. That's perfect. And most importantly, he needs to be productive throughout the entirety of his next contract. And that that's the where the one criticism I have for this trade kind of comes into play. Montez Sweat is currently 27. He will turn 28 uh, in the beginning of next season. I actually think it's like right days before the season starts. Uh, so he's not as quite as young as someone like a Chase Young or some of these other guys coming off their rookie deals. But nonetheless, Montez Sweat has been consistently dependable barely any injuries and from people in the Washington building, the more productive and more valuable pass rusher on the team. And I've also seen a few uh, comparisons from bears fans comparing this move to that of the chase Claypool move polar opposite trades. Uh, now, if the bears traded for chase young, I would understand that comparison. And this is where I think we see Ryan poles grow a little bit. Chase young was, would have been a very speculative um, pick a reclamation project and not necessarily something you would necessarily want to be giving up a second round pick for Montez sweat. You know what you're getting. You know, that's going to be a steady, consistent player, top 20 edge rusher for sure. Maybe even creeps into the top 15 and someone that if you pair with a young rookie could really create a fairly dominant edge rusher duo overall, you know, I'm going to give this trade in a minus obviously you don't like to lose a high second round pick but looking at the free agency class looking at the players available I think I love it I love it and the one thing that I can really really appreciate from Ryan Poles is his creativity when building this roster I mean he really you can criticize Ryan Poles for a lot of different things Valus Jones players like that where things didn't work out quite that way um, even players like, you know, Nate Davis, who haven't been as healthy throughout the season, you know, maybe even a Zach Pickens, who has really not flashed a whole bunch since joining the team. Uh, there's a lot you can criticize Ryan Poles on, but the one thing you can't criticize him on so far is finding ways to be creative, making common sense moves and improving this roster in any way possible. And I'm not just saying trades. I mean, this team has really went from a full sell-off to bringing in major talents like a DJ Moore, like a Montez Sweat. But also, whenever the waiver wires come out, scouting the waiver wires, whenever cuts come through, picking up as many cuts as you can that you view as valuable players, picking up reclamation projects with a little risk like Alex Leatherwood, not all these things work out, but some of them do. And we're just going to have to wait and see. You know, I really appreciate that from Ryan Poles. And, you know, again, this is going to be this next year the most important offseason that we've seen in quite a while with two major picks in, you know, a all-star draft, one of the best drafts I've seen in a long time. And with that, a potential quarterback pick, with that, a potential, you know, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, Marvin Harrison Jr., 
it's going to be really interesting to see where this team goes from here on out. But nonetheless, let's let's get going and get into the postgame podcast. We do talk a lot about the Bears' future in that as well. So uh, I'll queue up for that. Thanks. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. You're always authentic and readily ridiculed Chicago Bears podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me again, my co-host, Reese. Reese, what a game. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, Close one. Man. Lost it yeah. at the end well, there. <laughs> like we had said, you know, when it's a rough start, you just kind of know how these games are going to go. Um, and this one fell off. It wasn't immediate, but the wheels fell off, you know, went off the rails pretty quickly uh, on this game. And man, and not to veer off from post game too, but just in the post game presser today, recording this on a Monday, and you hear Eberflus say that, you know, Bajan's going to be the starter again. And, you know, Fields is still week to week. He's improving. No update on how he's gripping the football or anything like that. It just seems like, man, we are really in just a characteristic Bears season. I, I hate to be that guy, but <laughs> it's like all the different bumps in the road that we've hit that we've seen before. You know, even the ones we covered, you know, during the Nagy era and when we were just watching, you know, during John Fox and, and Mark Tressman. This has really got just like kind of all those components just wrapped into one, you know? Oh, yeah. Injuries, can't beat them. Um, games just can't win, can't put together a winning streak. And you know what? I was going to say this for a little bit later, but I put together a list. So the Bears are at eight games in this season now. Two and six, okay? Even even stepping away from that point, they've played Green Bay, who is two and five. Tampa Bay, three and four. Kansas City, six and two. Denver, three and five. Washington, three and five. Vikings, four and four. Raiders, three and four. Chargers, three and four. They played one winning team. <laughs> two games that two games that are a team that's five hundred or better. And they're two and six, man. That's pretty pathetic. Yeah, it's certainly uh it, it's certainly a down bad two and six. It's not it's it's definitely not a not a oh we we had uh, you know so much to show, you know, we're really, you know, making progress. It's definitely not been like that. Uh there's been high moments, there's been low moments. Uh this game, again, low moment. And I think what's so funny is game went, I, I like I feel like we called it on the last podcast. We said the essence of this team is the deep bomb pass and then the two-yard run. And those are the first two plays of the game. I was laughing my ass off. Oh, my God. And it's just because, again, this team does not know how to roll with momentum. They don't know how to get everything going together. This game, let's be honest, everything just looked bad. You know, pretty much nothing <laughs> looked good. Uh, yeah. With the exception of maybe you give a little bit of credit to the offensive line. Um, they, they didn't hold up too poorly. But it's like just getting out of rhythm, penalties, uh, defense all of a sudden looking horrible again. And it's like, dude, what is this team? And that's what makes this team so frustrating to watch is I feel like last year there was the excitement of like, okay, if you just fix what's around fields, if you just put him in a better position, he's going to have the ability to succeed. And you can look forward to that moment 
With this team right now, it doesn't seem like you can look forward to anything besides just a new coaching <laughs> staff and new quarterback. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to even say that that's Fields' fault, but I'm just saying that's the nature of holding the number one overall pick right now. Uh, and who, by the way, Panthers won their first game this past week in a, in a, a slow Extra fast. bad week. Yeah, <laughs> extra bad week. And Eddie Pinheiro was the one that made the game-winning field goal for them, so that was interesting. Love it. Um. Yeah, man. I, I as far as like game analysis, it, this is like the second or third game where you go through and you're like, what even is there to analyze to point to the issue? Because it's just everything. Yeah. No, I, I think that, mm, like you said, it's so hard. It wasn't just one thing in this game. It was. Matt Eberflus always talks about playing complementary football, right? And, and each time they've won the season. They have played that complimentary football. But when they lose, nothing. Like, nothing about it is complimentary football. Like, nothing syncs up. Everything's out of rhythm. And there are just so many things that were, it would be like, you know, quote unquote on brand, right? For the Bears, you know, the Valus Jones drop. You know, of course, on offense, can't really get much going. The running game does not look like it did last week, but also they're playing catch up. So they couldn't really run the ball like they they want like they yeah. did against the Raiders and like they wanted to coming into the game. Everything that could kind of have knocked this team off track happened very quickly, and you know of course that happens on on Sunday night football. It's just like too typical. We we could see this coming. Um, I wanted to hope that the game was going to be closer than it ended up being, but. In reality, it was never really close at all. The Chargers were pretty comfortable hanging on to a 17-plus point lead uh, for the vast majority of the game, even when the Bears had the nice seven-minute long touchdown drive, right? That's one where your defense, even they they got rusted up. You know, there's no way that they're gassed at that point. They've been off the field for a long time, and then they let the Chargers come right back down and punch it in the end zone again to really minimize the effect that something like that great of a drive should really have. It's the absolute opposite of complimentary football. And, of course, even just, like, everything about the function of this team is annoying. The injury report, like, my goodness. I understand that it's a weird situation with Jaquan Brisker and that, um, you know, ultimately he's in concussion protocol again, so I hope the best for him because, obviously, concussion is very serious when we're talking about a brain injury like that. Obviously, I want that to be sorted out. But my goodness, he exits exits concussion protocol, has an illness, doesn't practice for most of the week, gets over the illness on Saturday, and then enters back into concussion protocol basically <laughs> during the game. I don't, <laughs> I just can't track what happens with this team, and I, I think too with the Justin Fields. Um, obviously, they called it week to week when the injury happened. Um, multiple weeks ago and now we're on to what's going to be his third missed game they ruled him out today on monday saying that he's not going to play against the saints and basically it seems like the only reason why he's not on ir is because you have like a limited number of ir spots you can give like to bring players back during the season you know once you hit a certain number i believe the rule is is that they're basically just kind of done then like deactivated for the season so I think that's the only reason why he's not an IR because at this point it's not week to week. Like yeah. this is, it, it's working its way towards a month. It might end up being a month or at least four weeks of football without him touching the field. 
the frustrations are mounting and the team looks lost. I think that ultimately there are some players that do have like those leadership qualities or are able to kind of keep a cool head during this losing, but it's going to wear thin and it just seems like the coach and Irbo Flus and with Getsy, we keep pounding down the same thing every week or, you know, even during the wins, like we know what's going to come next. Like they're not yeah. able to piece anything together. And it's just ultimately <clears throat> like, okay, until we move on to a new coaching staff, there's really nothing to look forward to because we have the book on them. Yeah. We understand who they are. And, you know, frankly, without Justin Fields playing, if you're just the regular casual fan, you're probably stopped watching. Like if you're just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch the Bears, but, you know, I can do better things on my my <laughs> my Sundays if they suck. Like, I feel like those people are going to start to tune out. I mean, I know the Bears fan base is hardcore, but this is getting crazy now. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, one of the biggest issues, so, again, week to week, you never know what you're going to get with this team. You're, like, it's it's literally like picking out of a mystery box. And that carries over, like, to everything. And it's, I think it's because the way that this team is called, at least offensively, it it seriously is like it's a new product week to week. Like they, it's like they're reinventing their offense from scratch every single week. And that's part of the reason why you can't build any momentum. This week's game plan, I don't know what the hell was going through Luke Getze's head. It was practically the same game plan they went into the Vikings game with. And then the two other weeks where they actually showed success. So first with the Raiders, before that with the Commanders, all of that offensive design was just completely gone. And I get adding variability in your offense, but variability cannot come at the expense of developing an identity. And that's what this team is offensively. There is no identity. One of the, you know, Mike Shanahan, one of the most, you know, obviously founder of West Coast System, one of the founders of the West Coast System, he, or at least I should say innovator mostly, he specifically made the made the comments he he really really was a big supporter of the outside zone running game same at obviously you can see it with Kyle Shanahan too um he's made comments in the past that if you want the outside zone or any run game for that matter to be successful you have to run that concept at least 65% of the time you need it to be the primary driver of your of your run game and with this team i don't know what the hell they did this week they just completely switched up last week it was all outside zone this week, it was like inside zone with like a little bit of power twisted in at times. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? It just makes the offense so predictable. Then there's no creativity in the dropbacks. Again, just traditional dropback passing in this game. I don't see why you would do that, A, with a backup quarterback, but like B, just in general, like even with any quarterback. Look how many times in this game, even Justin Herbert, they designed up a play for him. I mean, they were running those damn tunnel screens like every other play in the beginning of the game, and they were getting the Bears every single time. And it's like, let's just take a minute here and really go to the basics and be like, what actually made Justin Fields succeed last year? The offense had an identity. They did a lot of the same things week to week, in the in the at least in the stretch where he was really good. The team looked and flowed very similar. You can build up variability. Those variability, actually, developing an identity can create positive 
can actually increase your amount of variability because you create tendencies that you can, you know, create counter play calls off of. I mean, specifically, that's what uh, the Ben Johnson, the Lions defensive coordinator, is a genius at. Offensive. Uh, offensive coordinator, yeah, sorry. Uh, is, is a genius at. So, I don't know, man. It's getting really frustrating, and I I, I think that, like, the Bears just make this so much more difficult on themselves than it needs to be. Not only does, like, starting from scratch and creating a new game, like, a new offense every week make it more difficult on the play callers, it also makes it more difficult on the players. I, I just don't get it, man. I Nothing about this offense I have understood. Um, at least when you think about it as like a cumulative, like I think it's shown flashes and flashes in the pan, but nothing else. Yeah, no, it's really gotten so bad to the point where like I, I've said it before, earlier in the season, I'm still going to stick to that point where I do think that, that Ryan Poles is going to retain his job. Um, but it's starting to make, <laughs> it's making everyone look bad yeah. <laughs> with, with how terrible they are. Like, I think you look at Ryan Poles and you're like, this is, um, you know, patience, you know, time. Like, it's just, I understand that it was a rebuild plan, but you expect progress at the very least. And when the coaching staff is keep it keeps reiterating the fact that they are making progress, but you don't see it during game day. Yeah. It's really hard for the fans to buy in. Then that. is it progress? <laughs> like, if yeah, it, it, are, are you just becoming better friends with each other or what's going on? Right. And I think that ultimately they've, you know, I think Ryan Poles gets a little bit of credit. And I think that they do have, you know, some some players in the locker room that are all about the team. They're all about the effort and do buy in. And, you know, some of them take up the leadership responsibilities as well. So I think that he's gotten better at bringing in better character to the team. I'm not going to deny that. But when the results don't happen on the field, you know, ultimately no one no one cares about, you know, the, the team building aspect yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. They want the results. And I think for, for polls, it's just like, too, it was compounded by, okay, Valus had a bad game. So you go back and you're like, ah, oh, man, like third round pick. And, you know, he has made a lot of quality draft picks as well. I think he has brought in some impact players throughout his time here. I mean, this roster is totally different than when he took it over. <laughs> But the fact is that the results aren't happening on the field. But I do think that they are a better team, like talent-wise, than last year. I think that's kind of obvious. They were just so bad last year. But they play worse. Yeah. So I think if there's any indictment on like the coaching staff, it's that. Yeah. You have better talent. If you're Matt Eberflus, there's no way that you know you're not working on this with Ryan Poles. Like ultimately, he's the one that's making the decisions, but. Obviously, you're voicing a little bit of the type of players, the type of you know scheme fits that you want. Ultimately, on his kind of defense, obviously he wasn't the defensive coordinator coming in, but he knows what he wants his defense to look like, and also offensively as well. And that's up to his staff to be in his ear about you know the kind of players that they want in there. And when you know you are going out and molding this team to your coaching staff, this is year two now. This isn't the first year about you know kind of just building you know, your whole structure, your foundation, which they weren't able to build because they're terrible. And then still a lot of roster turnover and still the team is not able to, to really develop that winning culture. So I think 
anyone that was on the fence somehow about this coaching staff, like there's no way that, <laughs> that you're not over that now. And it's really just the rest of the season, which is the unfortunate part. And when I was talking about, we know what it's going to be like for the rest of the year, unless they fire the staff midseason, which with a tendency of the bears and talking tendencies here, the bears team notably has never fired a head coach during the, like during the season. If they let that play out, I don't really see what progress we're even making here. Like it's just a formality of going out there and playing the games, um, which I think is just a terrible spot as far as just being a fan to be in. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this is not a tanking season because this team is is trying. You know, <laughs> that the whole Carolina pick is out there so that you can try. You yeah. can go ahead and stack up some wins. This team is going to get its top 10, at least top 10 pick on merit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a scary top thing. 10 best case scenario for the staff. <laughs> like, like right. a likely top five. Um, it's, there's just a lot of bad teams this year though. You know? Yeah. This weekend actually did help though. Believe it or not, even though the Panthers did pick up a win, um, you know, getting the Broncos who I didn't think would win another game this season, another win. Um, you know, the Cardinals are going to get Kyler Murray back pretty soon. That might help us out a little bit, but, uh, man, it's just, it's actually painful to watch like this. I, I, I think it's very, um, apparent that this coaching staff is John Fox level bad. Um, and like that team may even be a disservice to John Fox because, John Fox at least one more right. games. I mean, this this it has been hysterical the way that this coaching staff has found an ability to lose games. Um, you know, I I think that Matt Eberflus is a great defensive coordinator. I really can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't go and you know where he becomes a, a head coach again after this because I don't think so. The pro- Unless it's in college, like yeah, and I'm not joking, yeah. like. A group of five team. <laughs> that, that that certainly could be the case. Um, and he might do a better job in college, to be honest, with some of the messaging he sells. Um, I don't think so, because they're not able, like, this coaching staff is so thick, man. They're so thick in the head that that's the most frustrating thing with Justin Fields, because you had brought it up earlier in the podcast, like, moving on to a new quarterback. Like, I think that that's, unfortunately for Justin Fields, I think that's a lot out of his hands, like, at this point, the new coaching staff seems like a given. Yeah. And I think that as far as Justin Fields, it's like, does the coach want to keep him around or not? I, I think that if anything, if he's coming back, like he's auditioning for the next coach. I think that's ultimately and, what it's about and when he comes back this year. I don't, I, I cannot foresee a coach, especially if the, it's going to be a completely different story if the Bears don't have the number one overall pick. But with the number one overall pick, I can't imagine a coach wouldn't want to just start over rather than. I'm just know. saying there's the possibility because I mean, like, ultimately, like Justin Fields, like we know in a different circumstance, like he may be balling out. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen the highs now, yeah. of course. That's what's scary. I think that it's so right, bad. You I, can't even evaluate him. Right. Exactly. And that's been the most frustrating part about his whole time here with the Bears. Um, and ultimately, like, unfortunately for him, you know, there are quarterbacks, other quarterbacks that are in bad situations with bad coaches, you know, and, and some of them push through and survive and still excel. Um, so I think that does work a little bit to the detriment of Justin Fields. 
Um, but obviously we've seen how good he can be, uh, which I think it makes it even more frustrating as a Bears fan. But like you had said, I, I think that odds are, especially with the number one overall pick, I mean, things change. I mean, everything's variable. Everything's fluid. I read off all those records. There's still a lot of games to be played in this season. Um, but just kind of looking at it from today's perspective, if you don't have the number one pick, things change. But with that number one overall pick, I mean, yeah, I have to tend to kind of lean with you, at least for now, Austin, that, you know, coach is probably going to be picking up a new quarterback. Yeah. Um, so I don't think Justin Fields is completely the guilty party. It's just unfortunately he hasn't been able to to break through over, you know, without the assistance that he really needed. Yeah. So it, it's unfortunate and Unfortunately, this team has to pick up the pieces, and we're looking at another another big uh, renovation in the offseason. So what's new there? Yeah, it'll certainly be fun to cover. <laughs> but again, we'll have to live in the offseason again. My, live, my, exactly, my, live for the offseason. My big thing, though, that still kind of bothers me right now is like this. We also just have dedicated so many resources to Eberflus and his, and trying to run his defense, getting players that he likes, and getting players that Luke Getzey likes. Whenever you bring in a new coaching staff and put in a new scheme, offensively or defensively, like there are players that you have to turn over because they just don't fit. And it's like that. That is like kind of an underrated um, thing in the NFL right now, where it's like when you have a bad team that's constantly changing coaching staffs, it also just changes the development capacity of all these players you drafted for your previous coaching staff because the draft sure it's about talent that's for sure but it's also about having good scheme fits like pretty much there are very few players i would say overall nowadays at least that could reach this uh the same level of success that they are able to reach in any type of scheme like i i feel like being a system player, a system quarterback or whatever is so common because the system is just, it's everything in the NFL right now. Like you can't win with a bad offensive system. You just can't anymore. You know, I think the last teams that could do it, team that could do it maybe was the Patriots and they like with Brady and they, you know, the offense, I'm not going to say the offensive scheme was horrible. I think it was good, but Mostly it was Tom Brady. These teams nowadays, you need a good offensive system to win anything in the NFL. That's why you're seeing, you know, back 10 years ago, all the winners of the Super Bowl were kind of defensive coaches. But nowadays, it's mostly offensive coaches. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, though, I think that you're kind of working around a great point there. I was like, okay, with Brady, as the years went by, it was really just, it was building around like Brady's offense. It was Brady's offense. Like as he got a little bit older and you know, he wasn't heaving the ball every time it came about getting the ball out of his hand quickly, the types of receivers and the players that he had around him changed. Yep. You know, the look of that offense changed. You can, you can look at the 2008 Patriots versus the 2017 or anything like 20, you know, 2015 post. They were different offenses. They, they had a different, yeah face to them and <laughs> float a different way. And ultimately that's the main thing is you build around the quarterback. And with Justin Fields, I don't think he's quite gotten a fair shake. Um, not saying that the bears can't move away, like move away from him this off season or, or look to get a new quarterback. I'm not making that statement right now, but unfortunately like Luke Getze, <laughs> it so frustratingly, like bang your head up against a wall. 
has never quite sold in, gave in to what Fields' offense should look like. Now, I know at times it gets frustrating because Fields has a, a bad game, um, and maybe there was a good game plan. He just wasn't able to execute on it, on it. But so many times it's just like we are trying things that don't work, and we've seen them not work before, but yet we're trying to make Justin Fields do it again. And I know Justin Fields, they even played these last two games. But ultimately, I'm not trying to read into a backup QB plan. Like, <laughs> to me, this whole Bajan thing was never a starting quarterback. I think he's proven that he can be a backup quarterback. I don't think any of this was anything more than that, yeah. which I'm not sure why people got worked up over about it or trying to to use Bajan having a bad game to prop up fields. It's like it was never about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was never about that for this team. I don't know why people got that in their heads, like just because Bajan won one game. Yeah. We talked about it on the last uh, – on the game preview – there was notably you can get as a backup you can get that first win but yeah. there's always a regression yeah as far as what production looks like so that's what I, separates it, the this, mediocre from the great is that consistency yeah. on a game to game basis also something that Justin Fields has not shown to this point in his career again can't necessarily blame right. him but it's um, such a murky confusing situation man. yeah <laughs> it really it really is and you don't like to necessarily see when there's there's about 5 minutes straight of Kevin Warren in his booth just looking completely demoralized. Not necessarily what you like to see from your uh from your from your team's leadership <laughs> um or or when your team's on the field playing seeing five straight minutes of your president just looking awful. <laughs> <laughs> what was he holding? He was he, there was that went around on Twitter. Some people were like, is he holding a play sheet? No, Kevin Warren doesn't even come from a football background. He's not holding a friggin' play sheet. It's not like he thinks he knows. Uh, he he was holding a roster, which is even kind of funnier to be honest, because you'd think that he would understand know the other team's rosters. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was only a roster. It is. Card. It, I feel like with the Bears, like okay, during a game you do see they do show the GMs like when they're in attendance. Yeah. Like it's not rare. I feel like in Ryan Pohl's time, I've seen him during the games more than than any other GM I can remember. Yeah. Maybe it's just recency bias, but they're always showing him during the game. <laughs> they like but him. Up in the booth or he's down on the field. It's like we always know where this man is. Pohl specifically. <laughs> the the yeah, and the exactly. fact that your GM ends up on the field after a fucking Raiders win against a backup <laughs> quarterback. I mean, that really Bring him into the locker room. We're going to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it really shows you just where this team is at. Like and I we're, we were just talking Reese. I texted you right before the game. For the game, I saw that there was a, a 30 minute like interview that NBC, NBC posted with Tyson Bajan before the game. It's like both of these wins, you'd think that the Bears actually just won the Super Bowl. I mean, it has been ridiculous the amount of positive coverage this team has gotten for two wins. Two wins, just two wins. That's it. Well, I mean, that is another kind of interesting wrinkle that people have kind of started to broke down, at least like locally here, Austin, um, about kind of just like the broadcasting, some of the language that, that Chris Collinsworth used and and all that. And of course, like, you know, these coaches and, and some of the executives like do get involved in the production meetings. So people are like speculating here, man. Like, are they trying to push some some narratives, some things through uh, these commentators, you know? Yeah. 
Are they trying to brush off the blame on the fields? Yeah. It's the, we're that bad this season that that's what's starting. Yeah. <laughs> We've played eight games. Yeah. <laughs> and people are, are speculating if we're pushing things through the media. And they may very well be, but it's just like, wow. And I think we had known after, you know, the first few weeks that we have foreseen that it was going to get this this bad. Um, maybe the two wins gave us a little bit of hope. But when they have multiple attempts to try to get a win streak started and they, they fail on both, it's like, okay, yep. No, this team is is definitely what we thought they were. There's a, there's a lot of Harbaugh hype getting drawn up right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot going on. We I talked about that a little bit. We'll see, man. We'll see. You know, I don't, don't believe everything you read. Yeah, <laughs> I I also kind of just feel like I mean there, we're gonna see around the the circles every head coach in a Bears uniform on Twitter. Thankfully, there seems to be an endless amount of graphic designers on Bears Twitter that can just swap in any player and any coach in a Bears uniform. Uh, <laughs> but the. I, I've been seeing a lot of Harbaugh. Um, I, that would be interesting to me if that actually were the case. Um, obviously, Harbaugh leaving, I think, makes the situation um, more complex. But I don't think that, I mean, at least from what we learned last year, it seemed like Harbaugh was willing to leave Michigan regardless and just didn't seem like the Bears necessarily had that much interest in bringing him in. Um, I don't know if he just had a specific you know, desire to, to coach Kirk cousins. I doubt that. Um, but it, it just seems like he wasn't that too interested in the job. I don't know, you know, Kevin Warren commissioner of the big 10. I don't know if he has any sort of relationship and that's what's drawn up any of these rumors. But I, at this point at the moment, I'd be pretty surprised to see him even get an interview, um, after the season. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a lot, like Harbaugh is not your uh, just every other coach, you know. He's a little bit different of a candidate. No offense. I think with Michigan, it's a <laughs> exactly. And I'm biased, you know, because I'm a Michigan fan. But I think that this time, like, it's a little bit different because, and at least during his press conference today, he was like, he tried to clear the air at least on the contract thing. Was saying that it wasn't necessarily rescinded; it's just kind of tabled. So he was saying that there wasn't really accuracy to the report saying that he wasn't going to get extended at Michigan. I think there's some variable factors to how this whole NCAA thing goes, but I don't think it's a given that he's leaving. I, I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's like a hundred percent. There's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of things to come out about this whole situation um, to see how it's going to progress. But I think that definitely, I mean, I'm not surprised to see his name thrown out there. It's been, for these last few coaching cycles, you know, Um, and the links are there. Obviously he played quarterback for the bears. So it does, he admired uh, Mike Ditka. So there's a lot of different links to the bears as far as why he'd return. So I'm not shooting it down saying it's impossible, Um, but I wouldn't necessarily bank on it. I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't count on it. Uh, So I shouldn't have sold my home and, 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 Took out a second mortgage to, to to place my bet down on him as the top, the next head coach. We'll see. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to ruin your day and say it will or won't. They happen. do say 100% of gambling addicts back out right before their biggest win. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, just kidding. Don't take that serious. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Please don't. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. even regardless of the Michigan situation, it seemed like he had interest. I mean, he obviously had interest in that Vikings job, and like he obviously flew out and everything. That became a huge deal. I, again, though, I just don't know. It doesn't seem like he's very well received in the NFL at the moment. I think he might have rubbed some people the wrong way in his last tenure. Uh, notably, he's known for rubbing people the wrong way. So who knows if working with Kevin Warren was even a positive thing? Um, who knows? I, I'm just right. saying. I, I I pray to God that like I'm giving Ryan Poles a lot of leash here for his first hire. Um, I I want to see a completely different process. Obviously, I, I've you know speculated that maybe he didn't make the full decision in this last one or maybe picked out of a series of a few just based on the bears interviewing head coaches before he came in um and it always seems like when the bears when bears ownership has the chance to make a gm hire and a head coach hire at the same time it always seems like they're going with an old school football guy kind of like maddie refluse so I don't know about that one, but uh, I just, if this coaching staff somehow returns next year and you give them the opportunity to try to coach a number one overall pick, man, I will, I, I will riot. I, I, I will lose. <laughs> I think that's a worst case scenario. I, that's, here. that's in, that's uh, unexcusable. That is unexcusable. That's for sure. That's what we've learned over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's really just like this coaching staff is the walking dead. I, I think that they kind of have to know that, like, unless there's – it has to basically <laughs> – we're getting to the weeks where it's going to be, like, win out or you get fired. I'm not yeah. saying we're, like – I'm not saying it's the Saints game, but you've become 2-7. and seven. Like, I think that if this team somehow finds its way to 9-8, and eight, they might they might have a fighting chance at keeping their jobs. Um, eight and nine, but like as soon as we start getting like seven and ten and below, and, and with how things have went so far this season, I think we're talking about still being in Atlanta being fired, and I don't even know if the coaches can really even talk to themselves and, and make themselves think that they're gonna <laughs> rattle off some wins here. I mean, they haven't done anything that to prove that they can, and. All respect to Bajent, too. I just don't really foresee them. I don't see him winning the Saints game, and then I guess hopefully Fields is back after that point. Um, but it just seems like, you know, Bajent's going to at least be 1-2 and two coming out of this, and we're talking about 2-7, and seven, and at some point it's just the floodgates are open for taking L's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This coaching staff has really, really done its job. Um, I don't got much else to say. Should we cue the outro music? Yeah, I guess we can. I mean, um, yeah, go ahead, run the music. There seems like there's so much to say about this team, but at the same time, it's like pulling teeth too. Yeah, because it's because it's everything. It, it's everything. Yeah. What else can you say that we haven't said at least at one point already this season? We, we've officially hit the moment in Matt Nagy's career where every podcast was the exact same. It was the same issue every time, and there was never any sort of progress. And the only consistent thing is that we were bad. Um, Real quick, before we cut the music, this is right before the trade deadline. Trade deadline's tomorrow. Yep. 
Has anyone played their last game as a bear? I'm leaning towards no. I think everyone stays. No. I think okay. I, I think bears don't do anything at the trade deadline. I think likely could happen. I think uh, on watch though, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson. We brought up the names before. We'll see. I just saying, don't be uh, terribly surprised if we if you end up pulling up a tweet tomorrow with one of their names. But yeah, likely to stand pat. I'm with you. There. Yeah. Hey, we had some interest in uh, you know making some moves last season. Let's see what happens here. Um, I think the main thing is the coaching staff just is fearing for their life right now. So it might cause a little bit of extra pressure going up to Ryan Poles. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like by the body language from the team's language, I think they're just trying to survive right now, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they got the capacity for it. Keep tuning in to us, everyone. We will get you through it. Free therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining again. Bear down. Bear down. Yeah, it's communism. I mean, it, I mean, it's a pure RPO is the purest form of communism. I mean.